what we have here is a boost. A signal, a signal boost. boost. A boost for comic book Kickstarter campaigns. Brought to you by Spoiler Country. Each episode we bring you current campaigns that we think you should support, talk with the creators to give you insight into the project, and spread the love of indie comic books. Now sit back, grab a drink, and listen to what we have to offer you today. Join the cult of Spoilerverse, and welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Johnny Horsley, or John Horsley, or John, or Jay, or Jane, or whatever name you want to call me by today. And today, we're doing a Kickstarter signal boost. And I got three Kickstarters for you to check out. Two of them have already had episodes on there, but I went ahead and included them here because I want you to check them out again. And uh, I'm, I'm doing this solo tonight because Kendrick's got that off. Kendrick's out doing some, having some fun stuff with his family. Uh, so you got just me talking. First up, we got Casey talking with Nick Bryan about his comic book, and it snowed up on Kickstarter right now. It's got 14 days, 13 days actually, as you're listening to this to go. It's already at goal, but definitely go check it out. But let's take a listen to Nick and Casey. We have a Kickstarter signal boost for my good friend Nick Bryan. Nick is, uh, well, he, he lives in Great Britain. He writes comics. He writes prose. And uh, he's an all-around great guy. Nick, how you doing, man? I'm good, Casey. I'm good, thanks. I'm just... <laughs> Busy, I'm good. Yeah, I know. That's my my important voice. Yeah, I'm busy buying about my Kickstarter, which is it turns out a bit of a full time job. But yeah, I'm good. Nice, nice. So so tell us a little bit about this Kickstarter. Is is and it snowed, uh, an epic journey across a cold town. Yeah, it's a well, and it snowed itself is a black and white one shot. It's a sort of crime fantasy fable about two siblings making a sort of desperate journey across a snowy London sort of running away from like a lone shark on one side and Jack Frost on the other. So there's a bit of sort of urban fantasy allegory there and it just becomes increasingly sort of desperate and tragic and they, they, they fall out, they reunite, they have to struggle for survival. Yeah. It's a fun sort of adventure and the writer, sorry, the artist is Rob Ahmad who I've worked with before on a one shot called The Catalyst and who has a very sort of nice, inky, Darwin Cook-esque style. He does a good... Oh, like, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, he does a great Fantastic. cityscape, but he does a great sort of cartooning, sort of character emotions. So I basically just pandered massively, but I've written him a comic about people emoting in front of attractive cityscapes. That's what I've done. <laughs> well, it looks fantastic, and, and the lettering is is also just spot on. So uh, you, you, you guys have some really top-tier talent on this book. Yourself included, obviously. Um, oh, and uh, this this is just like the little one shot. But does it also come with uh, with some rewards? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, one thing we're doing, this is the third sort of black and white one shot I've done since I started doing comics way back in late 2018, I think. So I've, I've decided I'm going to sort of draw a small line under the sort of black and white one shot thing. And it's going to be a sort of a monochrome trilogy a set of black and white one shots and yeah so the main rewards are the new comic or sets of the whole trilogy which is uh, little depths of watson tower with with me and rosie alexander which is a sort of another sort of black and white urban fable actually but this time it's about little too. kids 
Yeah, little kids turning into Grim Reapers. Yeah, it was me and Rosie's <laughs> first comic, and there's some learning in there. But yeah, her art is amazing, and I, it's a, yeah, it's a. It, it, I wrote it while my dad was ill, and there was a bit of, yeah, it's a bit of an emotional one for me that one. It's very rough out the edges, but I, I, I like it very much. I think it's still, the, uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the emotional realness of it still holds up for me. And as I say, Rosie did an amazing job. I understand, job. and. and I understood you. You said it's the first comic you've you've did with Rosie Alexander. Does that mean that there's uh, something else coming up down the pipeline? Yeah, uh, me and Rosie have been working on something else for a year or so. I think she's had some stuff, but we're getting pretty close to being on it now. I think I've got roughs of the whole thing. It's a a comic about fairies, sort of people doing brightly coloured magic. I decided that worked quite well with Rosie's style. Plus. To be honest, the main thing a lot of people said when they bought Little Deaths with, for me and Rosie was that they loved the colour cover and they wished the whole thing was in colour. So we're going to give the people what they want on this one. It's going to be a full comic of me and Rosie doing brightly coloured magical people doing magic and quipping. It's going to be fun. Uh, I read that script and um, with her style, it is going to complement that script so well. I cannot wait to see it uh, coming. But but right now, I mean, you you have... You have this uh, Kickstarter to do, and um, it also comes with Moonframe. With is you, Lucas Peveril, Lucas Peveril, yeah, and, um, and uh, DC Hopkins also on the letters. Yeah, he's the same guy who did um, and it snowed. Yeah, Lucas. Yeah, they, damn it, sorry, that's something to edit out. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's the same guy who did and it snowed. Yeah, DC Hopkins is great. He's a a real hard pro. He always pretty much gets it right first time. I think. Yeah. Every, every almost every change I've ever sent him has been me deciding, but I don't quite like that bit of dialogue. He's really, really good. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah, me, Lucas, and DC Hopkins did Moonframe at the start of last year. Sort of, it's a sort of, it's like if Black Mirror had a massive epic budget. Basically, it's what if the moon was a massive hard drive full of like organic storage units, which are just huge slabs of brain which contain the internet and then you have to try and fight your way through it to stop it from being destroyed by a biological computer virus and then it starts throwing weird internet infected hallucinations at you it's a very sort of strange surreal sci-fi horror comic so so a heartwarming and, tale for uh for the holiday season that's awesome um yeah it's, it's great it's, <laughs> it's, I, I, there's, there's not always a lot of violence in my comics because they tend to be kind of like I keep saying, sort of fables or allegories, but on that one, a few people do get stabbed or squashed or shot or blasted through the head. So yeah, that was that was very satisfying for me. <laughs> You're like, finally, I get to get get some of my crazy out. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I read a lot of literary novels. I think that ends up inspiring a lot of the stuff. But it's nice to finally murder some people on occasion. So when does all this go up? Uh, we're to try and make the dates as November as possible, but basically, yeah, we're going through September. We're starting on the 1st of September, I think midday British time and whatever that is, American time. I imagine it'll be up when you guys wake up. And, um, yeah, it'll be running through basically that whole month. I think it might finish, you know, therefore on the 1st of October. So, yeah, any time in September, go along and you should better find us. Nice, nice. So, um, you guys just... Uh look out for this i'm i'm really excited for this i can't wait to see how it does and it snowed an epic journey across a cold town um can, can we talk a little bit about the other writing that you do I'm, I'm i'm just curious uh you you also write prose can you tell us a little bit about that uh yeah i've 
ended up putting it a bit on hold for the comics. But yeah, I have a series of novels called the Choi novels, which is a sort of mismatched detective story about a a a, a huge grizzled detective and his naive teenage intern, which I wrote over the course of I think I guess the first the yeah most sort of the middle of the last decade. And yeah, generally the joke ends up being that they end up going into a string of different businesses, investigating murders and discovering that they're all corrupt in increasingly comical ways. I think there's a, I think I've got some, I think I've got, there's an evil social media agency, an evil recruitment agency, an evil pub, several evil supermarkets, evil streaming video. I think at some point we did enter the 21st century. And yeah. And an entire evil shopping centre, which some said was too ambitious, but I that, that but no, book three, what was it? Trapped in the bargain basement, or pure evil shopping centre. So yeah, it's 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 a weird combination of of realistic and silly, and but yeah, I enjoy it quite a lot. There's like five of them, I think I vote on Amazon. Oh wow! Holy smokes! <laughs> yeah, yeah so, words. <laughs> the other day, um, the concept of a video rental store came up in my ten-year-old looked at me like I was insane and uh, I said no baby like this this used to not exist you you used to not be able to pull up any movie you wanted to on the tv and just watch it right away you you had to go to the store pray it was in and um also you get a fine if you didn't rewind it when you brought it back (laughs) wow America are harsher than the ones here we just had a sort of passive-aggressive notes there was no fine they would just, they would just <laughs> quietly hate you the next time you came in i think they charged you like like a quarter or 50 cents on your next rental or whatever um yeah the especially the mom and pa shops they they get you know they gotta stay in business somehow <laughs> <laughs> yeah no we just flower but yeah no i think i think evil video rental too out of date even for the hobson choice series but yeah no we could, <laughs> Other than that, we've worked our way down the high street. I mean, yeah, maybe that should have been one of them, to be honest, to desperately staying in business by drugs in the videos or something. I don't know. Hey, I, man, hey, don't, don't put it out there yet. Don't put it out there yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this comic. And um, you guys uh, just look out for And It Snowed. When it comes out, we will uh, – We'll post this um, this recording along with a link to the Kickstarter. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about before I, before I let you go? I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, well, the other comic that you can get through the Kickstarter, which I will just mention briefly because I, I also love it, is uh, The Catalyst, which is the one the other one shot I did with Rob Ahmed if, uh, midway last year. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, which came out through a small British publisher called Comic House. Um, and... It's basically about a robot who whose job is to sort of kickstart the story by interacting with the protagonist. He's like, I guess in video game parlance, he's kind of an NPC. And yeah, and he just sort of travels through different genres and get, feels increasingly downtrodden about the fact that in order to kickstart the story, he keeps having to get his ass kicked. And <laughs> it's just about this robot. And again, I, it was because I, I really love working with Rob because he's if, if once you work out what he's good at, he's really amazing at bringing stuff to life good at these sort of different genres sort of hopping between them so yeah that was the robot traveling from like noir to fantasy to horror to sci-fi and rob just nailed it all and it was really funny so yeah yeah you could also get that if you want other comics by me and rob but they're available as a pair that's awesome 
Um, man, I can't wait to uh, to see how this goes and also to see what else you come up with because you're, you're consistently putting out really great comics. And um, I, there are some people that, you know, I just kind of like to sit back and watch in a non-creepy way. And <laughs> <you're one> of- <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad we didn't put video on this now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, mean, I'm a, I'm a, I don't know. Am I allowed to mention the comic jam on this? You know, I'd like to thank no, you for helping, me, helping me get started. You know, with you, without, I mean, you helping enable me to do some one pages with the comic jam is probably how I got the confidence to think, okay, maybe I can do this. Yeah. Dude, dude, you, know, you, you came in like guns blazing. So, um, it just if if we did anything at all, it, it was kind of giving a, a space where you could like m- get some critiques or whatever. But man, you you already knew what you were doing. You just came in and did it. And uh, uh, much respect to you. Um, you if anyone's listening, it, interested in the comic jam at all, um, hit us up on social media. Um, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see about getting you on because uh, it's it's something I do that I love, and uh, I've met some really really great people there and people that I'm lucky enough to call friends. So uh, uh, yourself among them. So Nick, thanks again, buddy. Oh, it's no time, and yeah, definitely check out the comic jam if you're wanting to get started in comics and stuff. It's a lovely community. Do it. All right, Nick, mask up, wash your hands, and. Uh, so social distance, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, I'm not leaving the house. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take it easy, brother. Uh, uh, cheers, right. man. Hey, see you, buddy. Bye. That sounds pretty cool to me. I, I've got it here looking at it and reading for the Kickstarter. You should definitely go to Kickstarter and check it out. Links in the show notes below. So go. Go, go, go. Click on that. Check it out and share it. Up next, we got one that was a lot of fun. Uh, we talked to Scott Steiner, Kendrick and I did, and talked to him about him and Tony Daniels' Noctera 1 Clutch Edition, like behind-the-scenes book they're putting out. I've already backed it. A lot of people that have backed it, that 3,750 backers as of recording of this, but it's got 21 hours, about 20 hours left to go. So let's hear Scott talk about Noctera 1 in his own words. So yeah, you right. have a brand new Kickstarter. Let's tell people about Noctera One. Maybe people heard about it as uh, Nocturnal, but you guys have rebranded it Noctera One. And your main character, Val, driving an 18-wheeler, dealing with the night. Tell us how this came about and what's going on. Yeah, yeah. So it's based on – I've had the idea in my head forever since you know quite a few years ago where I was like – just playing around with this idea of fear of the dark. I had a really cute fear of the dark as a kid. And then my nine-year-old went through a really rough time with it. His room still has a million nightlights. It looks like some kind of crazy person thing. But I remember just, I was like, what if it was just night all the time? And what if the darkness was even scarier than, you know, we imagine it to be when we're afraid. And if it's this transformative, sinister kind of nighttime that changes anything that stays in it too long into some monstrous version of itself. And I was like, that's one of those ideas that's so simple, you know, and fun. I have to do it. 
I held on to it for a while and, and gamed out the story in my head a bit about what the first arc and second arc would be. And I knew I wanted to have a truck driver be the main character and, and have it be a woman and have it be it. a character who had really poor eyesight when she was very young and then had corrective surgery when she was adopted. And so she remembers this period of being in the dark and her call sign, that like red eclipse looking design on her face, like on the helmet, yeah. on her mask is, is how she saw the sun before she had the corrective surgery. So uh, what it looked like to her when she was very young. So the whole idea was just, I loved it. And I, I pitched it to Tony and he was so instrumental in coming up with so much of her background and the ideas. And we had been friends since 2010, 2011, when we'd swapped books from Detective and Batman. Awesome. And he had been really kind to me about, you know, I was terrified all over again after finishing Black Mirror and being like, all right, they figured Couldn't out imagine. probably that I'm a fraud. And then they were like, yeah, you got actually, that imposter syndrome going, going on. on oh, it's, it's yeah. forever. It never goes away. It's so funny because I bumped in. It was like right around that time when I was a, a year in or so. I they, it was at this Vertigo dinner, and they sat me near Neil Gaiman, which I was so like excited about. And I was like sitting that next to him, and uh, he was like, "Oh, what are you so nervous about?" Because he overheard me saying how yeah. nervous I was, and I was like, "Oh, I'm a Batman and this and that." And he was like, "Oh, Scott, right now you're worried you're not good enough, and soon you'll be worried you used to be better, and that's all there is." <laughs> I was like. And it was like the weirdly calming <laughs> <laughs> sentiment. And he also, by the way, at this dinner, told the most Neil Gaiman story ever, which was awesome, about how he had been invited to this shoemaking place <laughs> in London. And it was the oldest shoemaker there. And then he went to the catacombs beneath it with the owner. And that's where they kept all the molds of the feet of the dead that they had made shoes oh, for. And he was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, this is exactly the story I've always wanted to hear from Neil Gaiman. <laughs> and a thing about... The the molds of the feet of the dead in a catacomb of shoes in the old London's oldest wow, shoe store. You know? That is so weird. So, <laughs> so anyway, weird. yes, but Tony and I, we've been friends since about then. And and you know, I've always wanted to do something creator own with him on the side, and I wanted it to be something muscular and fun and high octane because it suits his style and the world building he's able to do is great too. So I just figured, you know, why not? And I pitched him this two years ago. I, it was about yeah. two years ago. And he loved it. And we both just happened to be coming to a period where we'd be free. And I had all these other books that I was thinking of. for. Oh, did we lose them? You know, where it was like almost like uh, I was able to do some of them, you know, part time. And some artists had other jobs and we do it when we could. And, but this one, I was like, look, let's make this the engine for this yeah. whole thing. And let me find a way of getting the money for it and being able to do it together and having it, you know, launch a lot of other stuff. And so we came up with the idea of this Kickstarter because we figured it killed two birds with one stone where it's like on the one hand, what makes it really different than the stuff that's out there in Kickstarter in general is that the series is already committed to image. So it's not. You don't just get it on Kickstarter. It feeds retailers and the direct market yep. as well. Like the, the retailers can buy it, buy a version of it for cost. And a uh, portion of the proceeds go to BINC to help bookstores and comic book oh, stores. Oh, that's a great anyway. idea. But it also, thanks. Yeah, but also the, the actual edition that backers buy on Kickstarter is black and white. It's unlettered. It's the script and the art. And it's got all the designs. And, and it's going to have surprise, like a short story for me. At the end, about the first night in this new world when Val was a little girl and like all this kind of stuff that makes it special and is all about inviting you into the process. And it's also you can get it signed if you want for not too much. And so the whole and the hardcover signs, the soft cover isn't. So the whole idea is supposed to be to create a campaign without a lot of bells and whistles. It's essentially a way of 
inviting you into the to the process, to reconnecting with fans, to allowing them to tell us what they want and then make those things without it being a lot of gimmicks yeah. and those things. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but we wanted this to be, yeah, like just yeah. intimate and say this is this helps us because when we do create our own, I always do a big con circuit when I do create our own, especially because it demands a lot of fans. Like they're coming in without any investment in the world you're you have to build it together whereas batman they're just hoping you don't fuck it up you know they love the mythology already and you're just in there to sell them on you but they already love the whole scaffolding this is you're building the scaffolding together and so if we can't do that i'd at least like to do a campaign that says we're trying to connect with you so that was one thing and then the second thing was you know just to to be blunt like it's a really scary market right now where you know, it's exciting, honestly, and I am excited by a lot of things going on from smaller publishers. I think that the moves that what's happening at DC in terms of the the plans that they're developing yeah. now, I think are really exciting. It was really hard, the contraction that they went through and the way that they really got rid of so many people and some people who I really loved and thought should stay there and were having, you know, really great creative and commercial success but I'm hopeful about what they're going to build on the other side, especially because at least the person that they promoted to co-EIC, Marie Javens, is, you know, I think one of the best people okay. in comics and has been my creative partner and boss for the last few years. So I, you know, I, I, there's a lot I like and I'm hopeful about and a lot I'm, I'm concerned or scared of. But beyond D.C., it's just it's a really volatile marketplace, yep. obviously, and COVID can shut things down again you know, distribution is changing. There's all kinds of things like just weather pattern, you know, craziness. <laughs> yeah. So what this allows us to do is when you publish an independent book, just if people want the sausage making of this kind of stuff, like you do it pretty much on your own dime for the first four or five issues, right. really. Because when issue three comes out is when you're starting to get paid for issue one. But by the time issue three comes out, you're really working on about issue five, you know, or issue six even. So you're working on six issues worth for free before you start seeing any returns. And I've always done that, you know, but in this market, not for me, but for my partners, that's a lot to ask to say. And if I had the money, believe me, I have the money to pay. It's not like I can't pay for some people, but I can't, I don't have the money to pay for like Tony and Jock and yeah. You'll be poor pretty quick. I don't, I'm true. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. honestly like they're, they're you know, and, and it's not even not having the money to pay. It's that if I'm paying them, right, and I have them, I'm paying them out of money I'm making from DC or whatever, and COVID shuts things down or the market dries and so royalties are different, all of that. I'm in a position where what if I can't pay them as much as right. I should? I, I don't want to be in that No, you, you could ruin friendships that been, way. Like, you don't want to do that. Yeah, right. And so the idea with this business model was something different where we said, okay, what if we offer something collectible and personal, but we do it to fund the book and then the book is already committed to the direct market. So it's not at the expense of retailers and it gives us a war chest to be able to play with. And we didn't know if it would work. Luckily, it's gone great, like way beyond my expectations. And my pledge to, to backers, which I stand by, honestly, is that beyond the funding of the book through those issues, through about issue five to six, in terms of the art team and the letterer and the editor, and we've surpassed that by a lot already. 
I'm putting money towards the next book I'm doing. So now I have money to be able to play around with in terms of, honestly, to secure the book I'm doing with somebody I haven't announced yet who's who's more of yeah. a new talent, but also with Francis Manipal, who's another person yeah. I'm doing yeah. a book with. And the beauty of Best Jacket for me is that it's not committed to any one publisher. It's not an imprint at Image, even though we have two books already, one in addition to not, not Terra committed at Image that isn't right. announced yet. But I have um, other Feel books. Feel free to announce, uh, Scott, all you want. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not even, it's not even that I'm not right. supposed to. It's more just that I want to do right yeah. by the- Yeah, as you know, you can check out the full interview of uh, Kendrick and I talking with Scott about Nocturne 1, about Batman, a whole, whole bunch of other stuff over on Swellverse.com. But this is just a quick one for today. Go check it out before it ends. And last but not least, we've got one that actually we talked to the other day on the show. We talked to Christina and Alan about Woodland Creatures. And I included them again because I think it's a really cool book and a really cool concept. I want you to check it out. So I, they have their full episode you can go check out. And then now you can hear another snippet from that episode talking about Woodland Creatures. And then obviously you're going to go check out the show notes and click on those links and share them out. So let's listen to Alan, Christina, and myself talking about Woodland Creatures. Not a problem. So before we get too deep into talking about, about this book and what, what it's doing and what it means to you, uh, what is the book about? So our book is a twist on the werewolf story. Now, instead of having the very typical person turning into a wolf on the full moon, which, let's face it, that's been done to absolute death by now, uh, we've got a person with a wolf soulmate. Oh. And this so this wolf is with them from a very young age, and they will be able to mentally transfer the human mind into the body of the wolf and take control of it that way. <clears throat> so a little bit of a different slant on the traditional yeah. story. That is a different slant. I like that. It kind of changes a little bit. Yeah, we we wanted to go for more of the realistic idea. The one thing which Christina has always been very proud of is her stories are grounded in realism. So although they are definitely fantasy, you could imagine them happening in in the modern day. Um, so in our first volume, which we launched last year, we were introduced to Callie and Christopher, our main protagonists. Right. Uh, uh, Callie is for lack of a better description of her, she's a murdering psychopath. Uh, she is a young brat, basically, <laughs> who is used to getting her own way and firmly believes that humans are beneath the lycanthropes and are really only good for hunting. Right. <laughs> so we're introduced to her and we're introduced to her wild side, but we also meet Christopher who is her partner. He's a few years older than her. And he has come out of the U.S. military suffering from PTSD. Now, Christopher is very much tired of basically following Callie and covering up her crimes. So our story is how do these two characters deal with their own individual problems? How do they deal with the problems of them being together? 
And are they able to put the problems to one side when the US military finds out about these lycanthropes and wants to weaponize them? There you go. Those are our three Kickstarters for today. Uh, we'll love doing these signal boosts. Uh, you know, if you have a Kickstarter out there and you want us to help boost it, shoot me a message. Shoot us a message email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter, spoiler underscore country, anywhere else. Just hit us up and let us know you have Kickstarter. Or if you have, you know somebody or you know a Kickstarter that's really awesome you think we should talk to, uh, by all means, hit us up. We would love to talk to them. We love talking to indie, indie creators or big creators. Whoever. We love talking to people who make comics and make books. And that's why we do all this stuff. So that's the show guys uh as we always say on the signal boost check the show notes click the links share them around share this episode around spread the love and support indie comics be sure to go to spoilerverse.com and check out all of our back issues for our show and for every other show on the network and while you're there check out our articles and our reviews and our previews and our thought pieces and everything else we have up there there's so much stuff check them out read them share them around and make some comments and go to the store link buy some merch look fly as hell and help us out and help us keep the lights on here and with that, there's us one last thing to do that we always do at the end of every show, and that's in an oceans of podcasts. We are Cthulhu, and as Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind and just read. Just for God's sake, read more reading helps the world stay 